Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast as we close in on not only the Christmas holiday, but Fantasy Championship Week. Because if you're doing Fantasy Championships in Week 17, tell them what they're doing, Harley. They're doing it wrong. Exactly. But you know what's not doing it wrong? Not doing it wrong and doing it right is doing this podcast with you, my man. How's it going? You know, it's going pretty good. Uh, Obviously... Uh, we're both uh, watching the. We're doing this on Monday night, as is typical for us. We're recording on Monday night, so we're watching the game tonight. Uh, each of us has some money on the line in this game, so certainly we want our players to perform well, and hopefully your players perform well as well. So it, it's it's all about uh, his trusting your instincts and uh, hoping that your team does what they're supposed to do, which unfortunately this week <laughs> didn't yeah. really happen. God, that's putting it mildly. Um, but you know what? This is the kind of week where teams that were, I don't know, 11 and 2, 12 and 1, are going to get upset by 6 and 7 teams that sneak into the playoffs. Because, and you can't regret that. You can regret it. You can be upset about it, but you can't. Because, look, there's two parts to fantasy there's the work you put in and the thought process and, and the, just everything that goes into that part of it, right? And then there's luck. And you just can't get away from luck. And luck's even kind of like when you watch these games and Miami wins last week on that trick play against the Patriots. That's God, luck. I wish, I wish I could have gotten away from luck this week. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I'm a luck owner too. And, hey, you would never think that they'd win a game 23 nothing against Dallas and he'd only put up barely 10 points because he didn't throw any you know, touchdown passes. But um, what you can't do is you can't beat yourself up when stuff like that happens. That's what my point is. Yeah, variance is going to happen in any form of gambling, whether it be playing cards, playing uh, playing the ponies, or uh, betting on sports. I mean, it, it you're going to have days that you're going to win. You're going to have days you're going to lose. The goal, ultimately, is to have more of the days where you win than days that you're going to lose. Yes, and also, when you're doing this, make sure you follow your process. I'm a big guy that does not like to tinker. Guess what I did this weekend? I tinkered. <laughs> In one of the leagues, it's free. There's no money on the line, but it's between myself and 11 other guys in the industry. It's the Huddle IDP Expert League. Honestly, I don't think I've ever won it. I, I've been there. I've had some bad luck. I've gotten to the you know playoffs quite a bit, but I don't think I've ever actually won it. And this year, I was one of the top-scoring teams for most of the league and then started leaking oil later in the season, um, made it into the playoffs. I think I wound up being like a four or five seed. And... This week, instead of playing Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, we talked about this on the show back when this draft went on, I drafted by accident. I drafted Deshaun Watson by accident, right? Didn't want my quarterback that early. Didn't complain about it. It's like, it is what it is. I'll keep him. But I went up picking Baker Mayfield up a few weeks ago to help um, on a buy, and I decided to keep him on my roster just in case anything happened with Watson. Well, I decided to play Baker this week instead of Watson. And it cost me a little over six points. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I follow your advice sometimes. You put me on to Robert Foster. Mm-hmm. I played Robert Foster this week. Very happy about that tinker. Um, but I kept two guys on the bench that I probably shouldn't have at wide receiver. I kept Mike Evans on the bench because I thought it was a very difficult matchup. So you know what? I'm not going to sweat that. It, it was a difficult matchup. He just happened to have a decent day, 16.10 points. I also well, and in Mike Evans' case, he didn't really have a decent day, though, either. He had two yeah, very long catches. True, very <laughs> true. Um, at the end of the day, the numbers look <clears throat> decent. And then Alshon exactly. Jeffrey, um, I sat him because he's just been pretty inconsistent. 24 points. I would love to have those points in my lineup right now because I sit up 25.2 points. I'm done, and he has Cameron Jordan and Thomas Davis. So it's going to be close. Um, so those points, 24 points from... All Sean would have been better than what I got from Josh Gordon or Tyler Lockett. Well, I definitely dropped the ball on Jeffrey this year, this past week. When I looked at the uh, splits with Nick Foles, the guy I was overly exposed to was Nelson Aguilar, who played very, very well with Foles at the start of the season. 
Yeah. And I didn't look closely enough back at last season when Elshon had a nice little bromance going with him. I should have looked a little bit more closely into the numbers last year. It would have probably got me more on Elshon than I, I was. And, I mean, ultimately, Nelson didn't do very much, uh, and Elshon certainly did a lot. Yeah, and you know what? I, I had a feeling that Elshon and, and Foles would be okay. The reason I punted on him was because of Tlaib. You got Tlaib and Peters back, and I just I didn't see this as a game that would be high-scoring on the Eagles' end. I didn't think that they could not win the game. I didn't expect them to. I did expect them to cover, I think. Um, and I say think because I can't remember what my pick was for the huddle picks, but um, I didn't expect them to win, you know, 30-23, though, but I didn't expect Alshon to have that kind of a, a day. So, you know, but again, if your process is right, stuff like that's going to happen. But I'm hoping it doesn't cost me by tinkering, especially a quarterback where I should have just went with Deshaun Watson and left it at that. Don't overthink it, right? Don't overthink it. You know what I'm thinking about right now? <clears throat> What's that? I'm thinking I can't wait to get caught up on some blitzed podcast news. Thank you, Steve. Carson Wentz is facing a three-month recovery following the discovery of a fracture in a vertebrae in his back. For the short term, that means that Nick Foles will start the final two weeks of the season. For the long term, that means that Carson Wentz has a fractured vertebrae in his back. I mean, I know that modern medicine is remarkable, but I remember learning in school that a fractured spine typically meant a future life in a wheelchair, not under center for a pro football team. <laughs> Pat Shermer came out and declared Eli Manning his starting quarterback for the rest of the season. He even went so far as to state that Manning has several years left in the NFL. Be careful what you ask for, Pat. It is statements like that which suggests that you will not have several years left in the NFL as a head coach. <laughs> Frank Gore is expected to miss the rest of the season due to a foot injury sustained Sunday. Fortunately, Gore should be fully recovered in time for next season. Because, let's face it, Gore is never going to retire. <laughs> Keenan Allen landed hard and got a boo-boo on his buttocks Thursday, knocking him out of the game and knocking most of his fantasy owners out of the playoffs. Unlike his teammate Melvin Gordon, Allen did not go public and apologize to his fantasy owners for not helping them win their playoff games. I can only assume that Allen was in fact facing himself in a fantasy semifinal last week, one that his team probably won. And finally, Todd Gurley briefly exited Sunday night's game with a knee injury. He did return to the game, and his status for next week is really not in that serious of doubt. That said, as an owner facing Gurley in his fantasy championship, I would like to be the first person to wish Todd a very lengthy recovery. <laughs> this has been your BPN News Update. Yeah, that was scary when you see him go out and you're like, okay, I need to build this lead as big as I can get. Everybody wants every ounce they can get out of girl. It doesn't matter if he scored 75 points at that point. You still want more, right? You don't want to see number 42 <coughs> on the field. What well, else? Everyone in the entire league rushes to uh, the internet to try to find out who Todd Gurley's backup, backup is not. Malcolm Brown is out for the year. Well, I got that's what I was going to say. I actually a few weeks ago before Brown got hurt, was rostering both Brown and Kelly because if he went down, you really weren't sure who it was going to be or if it was going to be a mix. So the best thing that happened for girly owners was when Brown went on IR because now it's Kelly. But what happened last night was, wasn't it Justin Davis that came into the game? Oh, did he? I don't know. Actually, we didn't <laughs> talk about this in our you know, earlier segment. I had a bad night last night. Bad. Like, I could not enjoy the game at all. I don't know what happened. I had a little bourbon early in the night, one little drink. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I had a soda, and I got this pain in the middle of my chest. It felt like indigestion or something, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it just hurt bad. It was like I had a knife in, in the middle of my chest. 
and it just I'm trying to burp and all that kind of stuff. It won't it just won't go away. So my wife says, "Well, here, let me give you some tums." I was like, "I don't take. I've never taken tums. I don't want tums." She gives them to me, and it's like two minutes later, all that gas moved into my stomach, and it felt like it was distended and blowing up. Like I wanted to jam a pin in my stomach to get rid of the gas that was in there. For the entire length of the game, I was in agony. It hurt so bad. It wasn't until middle of the night while I was trying to sleep that I actually was able to relieve myself so I didn't have those pains. That's you, know, te- you never want to take uh, chest pains lightly there, Steve. I mean, certainly uh, something there, if it progresses down to your stomach, it could be something s- severe like an appendix or something like that issue. But, uh, again, as we're all amateur doctors and we go yes. to WebMD, WebMD and they, it turns up that we have Himalayan mountain syndrome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really felt strongly that it was a gas. I mean, I was it was – I wasn't burping purposefully. It was just happening. and But I couldn't just relieve that pressure. But it really is scary when I think about how I feel now and like can touch my stomach and go, oh, my God. It really was like I was forcing it out like I was pregnant. Um, it was scary for a little bit if I sit back and think about it, quite honestly. But anyway, that's TMI on that zone. Um, what we should be talking about, though, is you, know, you mentioned Gurley, and we promised our listeners that we would give them some early top 12s for next year for draft mm-hmm. season. So why don't we jump right into it? You want to start with quarterback since we talked about Gurley? I mean, running back since we were talking about Gurley? Yeah, sure. Uh, although if we do decide at some point this year to discuss uh, top 12 safeties for last year, uh, I'm certain that Rob Gronkowski won't make the list. No, he will not. Um, but with that said, let me think. Who was it? There was a player. Was it Mike Williams? Did Mike Williams make a catch, fumble it, and then recover it this past week? I don't remember that particular situation. There was an offensive player who had a big week. I don't. I think it was him, but I'm not 100% sure. They fumbled the ball and then got it back. In an IDP league, that's golden because he gets credit with a fumble recovery. And you don't lose <laughs> points because it's not a fumble lost. You know what I mean? Yep. So he gets like two points for a fumble recovery on a catch and, and plus the yardage. That's, that's great. Outside of it being a touchdown, you couldn't ask for anything more. Um, but I digress. Let's get to the top 12 running backs or do you want to go quarterbacks first so we can breeze through that let's do running backs first since we're talking about them let's do it any guess at who is at number let's do this how many do you think we're going to agree on in the exact right spot take a look here quickly I'm going to say three I was going to say four I don't feel good about it but I'll say four and the only reason I'm saying that is because this season I was kind of giving these guys round designations, too, of where I thought they would go. Of my top 12 running backs, I have seven of them going in the first round yeah. and five, perhaps even as many as nine, going in the second round. Yeah, and I could see as many as nine possibly even in the first round. But I think it's no secret. I'm going to guess that we're going to agree right off the bat with Todd Gurley. He was the uh, ace that carried both of us as far as we could get in the uh, Scott Fishbowl this year before uh, both of us bowing out. But uh Yes, Gurley is my number one as well, and I think that uh, as long as uh, the solution for the McVay offense that's come up the last couple of weeks doesn't come into play, I think he remains the number one pick next year. Yeah, speaking of Scott Fishbowl, I, I currently sit third in my conference, and I've scored my third lowest score of the entire year, um, which really hurts, but anyway. Um, yeah, here's the thing. Why is Gurley number one for me? One, you see he's dual threat, right? Yes. They have they have all the weapons they need at wide receiver, right? Yes. And they're going to get Cooper Cup back. Yes. And they're set at quarterback. Yes, Run, young quarterback. Uh, they also have a very good defense. Uh, yep, good that's defense. Going to keep, uh, keep the game script in the favor of the running game. And they've got a coach that's not going anywhere. Exactly. They could get shut out in the playoffs. They're not firing Todd McVay. Or Sean McVay. Sean, Sean McVay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, they're not firing. So that all that stuff adds into it for me when I'm looking at things, um, which now you go to number two and three for me, those things aren't all there. All those pieces aren't there. That's why these players fall to two and three. Um, who do you have at number two? Well, number two, you, you mentioned the coach being secure. My number two it has a coach that's very much insecure in his position. He may not make it through the season, I think let might, alone the offseason. We might agree. We might agree, but then again, maybe not. This guy here we're watching tonight on TV, that's Christian McCaffrey, 
who has absolutely exploded on the scene from a PPR standpoint. Uh, everyone knew going into the season that he was going to be a PPR threat. He's going to catch a lot of passes. He caught a lot of passes last year. But everyone was so concerned about C.J. Anderson, the big signing this offseason, that he was going to steal touches, that he was going to steal red zone looks. And what ended up happening was McCaffrey stayed on the field for the highest percentage of snaps of any running back in football. Yeah, I like McCaffrey. I do not have him that high. Um, uh, I think that what we're seeing this year from him is his ceiling. I, I don't know that there's any more that's ceiling. That's a nice ceiling. It is, <laughs> but he's at number what I think I was trying to pull him up while you were talking about it. So if you give me a second, I'll tell you. I think he is at number three overall currently um, among ru- running backs in PPR. Give me two seconds and I'll tell you. Maybe more than two seconds. I don't know. Um, come on, give me an update here. Okay, now we go there and here. Um, but I've got him at five. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I do. He's number three right now. And it just, again, I don't dislike him. I just think that we're seeing his upside. And there's not much more to it. I don't think he can eke much more out. The guy I have at number two probably isn't going to see his coach fired by the end of the year. But I think if they don't make the, if they crap the bed and don't make the playoffs or make the playoffs and then crap the bed in the playoffs, um, you don't know what's going to happen in Dallas. I've got Zeke at number two because the Cowboys have learned that they need to get him involved in the passing game. Um, he's going to be a focal point of that offense. They've got Amari Cooper now, so that'll help the offense. They've got a young quarterback. I doubt that you'll see a quarterback change there. Um, possibly a new coach that comes in and uses Zeke even more um, than what Garrett uses him, so that's why I like Zeke at number two. Well, we can both agree on Zeke being a high player. I've got him ranked fourth this coming out this year. And the only reason he's ranked fourth is because the guy who I chose as my third-ranked guy is another guy that's on tonight's Monday night game, and that is Elvin Kamara. And this is all entirely predicated on the assumption that Mark Ingram is going to be waving bye-bye to New Orleans this offseason, which is highly likely. Assuming that Ingram is not in New Orleans next year, that means we get the Elvin Kamara of the first four weeks of this season when he absolutely ate, which puts him from a PPR standpoint right on par with Gurley and McCaffrey. I'm probably too low on Elvin Kamara, honestly. Um, a guy I've got at three, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've got Elvin Kamara at nine. Um, that is very low. Yes. And it's not that I don't love him. It's just... I didn't really probably weigh in enough on the Mark Ingram part of it. Um, I just I'm concerned that too much would hinder him over the course of a season. Um, I don't think he could have lasted on that. You know what we saw in the first four weeks. But anyway, number three, I have a guy where I have questions about his quarterback. Um, but you know he'll be a focal point of the offense. He's involved both as a dual threat. It's Saquon Barkley. Um, Maybe I'm a little too high on him, but I think that Eli does come back for another year. But if they have to draft a quarterback and then they move on, that's where drafting Saquon that high could be dangerous. Well, I actually ranked Saquon fifth going into the season. And and with that, I actually debated going back and forth between him and Zeke. Uh, Obviously, Zeke has been heavily involved in the passing game over the last three weeks. But, again, we don't know the coaching situation there. We don't know the quarterback situation in New York. Uh, That division as a whole lends itself to effective running games. And I think that both of them will be right up there. I think Barkley's probably a safer play in a PPR format than Zeke is because, again, just because Zeke has been fed the ball through the passing game recently doesn't mean that that's going to be the case going forward. But, again, you're you're talking uh, shades of gray there between four and five for me. Yeah. So right now we know your full top five, right? You yes. got Gurley, McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Zeke, and then Saquon. Yes. So you know four of my top five. So I'm just going to give you my my fifth, and then I'll give you the logic behind it. And it's Le'Veon Bell, and I know that he probably should switch spots with Alvin Kamara in my rankings, quite honestly. But here's how I'm looking at it: one, the team that pays up for him, and somebody will pay for him, right? Yes. They're going to use him. They're going yes. to get their money's worth out of him. And he is talented. I don't care what they're doing in Pittsburgh with the second and third and eighth, you know, eighth 
you know, depth chart running backs behind him that are tight ends and now playing running back because he's still a talented running back. Um, so that's why I've got him at five. I'm sorry, I've got him at four. Um, so I've got Gurley one, Zeke two, Saquon three, Le'Veon four, and then CMC at five. Well, don't sweat that Bell pick too much at, at five there because I've actually got Bell ranked at sixth. And again, that's based on my assumption that he's going to go to one of three places, Kansas City, Houston, or the New York Jets, all of whom need a legitimate number one running back and all of whom will use him properly, get him some big stats going forward. So again, I've got Bell ranked sixth, and I think that might actually be a little low. Can I tell you what? He goes to Kansas City. I might move him up past Gurley. Possibly. Seriously. Um, okay, so now, so we agreed on one in our top five. I don't think we're getting to three or four. Um, six, seven, and eight. I have an injured guy, um, a guy that has had struggles this year because of the offense around him, and then an ascending guy. I don't see how, and Melvin Gordon's not the most talented running back in the league, but he is a do-it-all back. Um, and maybe the injury, I should have him pushed down a little bit more. But And he's done it for multiple years. I've got him at six. You know, there's nothing wrong with that there because I've got Gordon at seven, actually. And uh, he is actually the last of my top seven that I feel are confident will go in the first round next year. Uh, again, I have, I have five, five others that I think will go at least in round two. Some of them might sneak up in the round one, depending on how the, uh, your draft breaks down. But, yeah, I think Gordon is a for-sure first-round pick, and because of his dual-threat possibilities, I think the only thing that could possibly hinder him is if, by some weird choice, Philip Rivers decides to retire. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll get to that later, actually. Um, so I'm just I'm looking at this going, yeah, Alvin Kamara should not be nine. I should have Alvin Kamara at seven, probably, and then bump these other guys down. But here's the thought process on my next two. Um, because they go hand-in-hand in, hand in the decision-making process. Um, one is a dual threat. One is not. Um, one has a young quarterback, but we'll probably be seeing a learning curve. The other has a young quarterback who, of course, will have that learning curve too, but I think has shown more. So for me, it comes down to David Johnson and Nick Chubb. Um, and I decided to go David Johnson at seven and Chubb at eight simply because Johnson is involved in both facets pass, catcher, and running. And Byron Leftwich will have had an entire offseason to work with that offense and work with their new quarterback. And hopefully they, and they've got you know, a nice wide receiver, young guy. Hopefully they can add something else in the draft. And I think that that gets David Johnson back to where he needs to be. Chubb is going to be limited by the fact that he doesn't catch the ball that much. Both of those two made my top 12. Okay. I've got David Johnson at 10. And I've got Nick Chubb at 12. The only reason those two fell down as far as they did is because, much like you would mentioned there, we don't have a full line on what their quarterback situations are going to be like. And we've seen the fact that poor quarterback play in Arizona this year has really cost David Johnson numbers. This past yeah. week is the greatest example of it. He started out hot in the first uh, series. Then the quarterback started making mistakes, throwing the ball away. And ultimately, David Johnson put in a mediocre line. Yep. Okay, so who do you have at seven? And Oh, you got Gordon at seven. Yeah, six. So who do you have at eight? Eight is a dual threat in an offense that should be better next year because they have their top two wide receivers likely out for the rest of the season. And that is Cincinnati's offense with Joe Mixon. Okay. So I have Mixon in my top 12. So far, we are... 100% on at least who's in our – we don't have anybody that's not in the top 12 that we disagree on. Um, exactly. I have Mixon at 10. And the reason I have Mixon at 10 is I think there's questions surrounding the quarterback position. I don't know what's going to happen. Is Dalton really going to come back? Is he going to be their guy one more year? Is Hugh Jackson going to take over instead of Marvin Lewis? Is Marvin oh, going to move upstairs? But, th <laughs> but those are all parts of what go into it because if we're just, just talking Mixon on talent alone – Put Mixon on the Panthers, put Mixon on um, the Cowboys, put Mixon on the Rams, and he's top five or better, you know? But you have to factor those other things in there. Okay, well, after Mixon, 
in my nine slot, I got a guy who is going to be the starting running back for a team whose starting running back was drafted as a top three running back this year. And that is the Pittsburgh starting running back, James Conner. Okay. We have our first player that we disagree on, and Conner is not in my top 12. I have him at 13 with a note, but that's not because I'm ranking him at 13. It's just in the place that I put him because I know I wanted to talk about him. So at nine, you've got Connor. At nine, I've got Alvin Kamara. Do you want to know why I don't have Connor in my top 12? Because it's a system there. No. Yeah, the <laughs> system, you're right. The system is what it is. Can you tell me? You're that, concerned about Ben Roethlisberger's retirement. Exactly. Do you think, can you tell me Ben's coming back next year? No, you can't say that with consistency, but I'm guessing he will. Right. Well, I, I'm not because, I mean, I, I know he considered retirement this past offseason, I think, somewhat. So that's why I'm leaving Connor out of my top 12. So when you said about Rivers and retirement, I don't think Rivers is retiring unless they win the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl, I could see him riding off into the sunset. Well, he, he does have like 74 kids to take care of. So, <laughs> Look, actually, his wife is pregnant. I don't think she's had it yet, but when she does <laughs> – between him, his wife, and the children, they can they have feel, an entire starting lineup. Yes, they can feel eleven players on one side of the ball, offense or defense. It doesn't have to be nine man ball. It can be an entire eleven man team. Yeah, they don't have to play seven on sevens. They can do eleven on eleven. <laughs> um, so I guess with now, see, this is where this is, this exercise is great. Talking this through, I probably should have Melvin Gordon a little bit lower if I'm concerned with retirements. Because who knows what happens if Rivers walks away? What's there? Exactly. So, okay. So now we're at, we've got your top nine. We have, and then we have your top 10, right? Yeah, because Johnson's at 10 for me. Right. So you have, your top 10 is Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Zeke, Saquon, Le'Veon Bell, Gordon, Mixon, Connor, and DJ. Yes. Mine is Gurley, Zeke, Saquon, Le'Veon, CMC, Gordon, DJ, Chubb. Kamara and Mixon. So now at 11 and 12, I wonder if we're going to match again. I think we might. I think 11 we might match. <clears throat> well, I was going to say, we're not going to be able to match on 12 because I've already mentioned who my 12 is and you had him ranked a lot higher. That's true. Yes. That was Nick Chubb. But my 11 very well might match your 11. And that player really showed himself out this past weekend. Yep. We're going to match. Delvin Cook for Minnesota. Great offense there. Looked like an absolute stud. This team is going to spend their first-round pick, their second-round pick, and their third-round pick on offensive line this offseason. He is going to be so good next year. He looked so great yesterday yep. against the against the bad run defense. Let's let's put it on paper. Miami's run defense is one of the three worst in the league. But this is the first time this season that the team actually devoted carries to, to Delvin Cook and he looked like an absolute beast. Yep. He is my number 11. I debated moving him higher. Um, part of what I like about him is, like you said, he has all the skill in the world. Feeling and Diggs are going nowhere, right? They Look, whether Kirk Cousins is worth all that money or not, they're not cutting the court after just one year. So no, they've got it's it's all guaranteed money. So he's going to be with the team for at least the next two seasons. Right. So when you factor all that in, that stability, there are so many fewer question marks. I probably should have him above Mixon and maybe even above Chubb because he is somebody that can do it all. Um, but yeah, he's somebody I think that you're going to be able to get end of the first, beginning of the second next year, kind of like this year, and he'll pay off better than he did this year. Well, who is your number 12? That's the big question mark. Right now. My number 12 is a guy who has not done much for his fantasy owners at all this year, um, and that is Devontae Freeman. Um, injuries should not hamper him by the time he gets back for the start <coughs> of the season. We already know that it's a formidable passing offense, right? Yes. Um, Tevin Coleman may or may not be there next year. I think he's a restricted free agent, isn't he? He is a restricted free agent, and the early word is they have no intention to sign him. Right. But you have Julio Jones, and you have Calvin Ridley, who's coming along, and you have Hooper. So I, there's going to be room to run in that offense. And 12 might be high for a guy that's older coming off of injury, but that's who I've got at 12. Well, so now I actually went ahead and ranked all the remaining starting running backs just to give people an idea of where I felt they would fall. You overachiever. 
I'm going to go just a little quick run through of these people and, and mention them briefly, not, not taking up too much time here. Uh, just missing out on my top 12. One of them was Devonta Freeman. Uh, much for the reasons you mentioned. Uh, second on that list, Matt Breda. Assuming that Jarek McHenry comes back, obviously that's going to cut into his touches some. Also just missing out, Aaron Jones. Leonard Fournette. Carry on Johnson, yep. Philip Lindsay, and currently on in 18th on my list. And again, his whole season is predicated on what happens this offseason, pretty much, is Kareem Hunt. Yeah, and I left Kareem Hunt off for that exact reason. We don't know what's going on. Carry on's a guy that was, I, I looked at very hard and almost put him in my top 12, but I just could not find a way to do it. Behind that group, my third tier of running backs that are going to be available, Derrick Henry, who has proven over the last couple of weeks he can be an every-down back. Sony Michelle, who is limited only by Belichick's desire to start 16 different running backs. Marlon Mack, who as of right now is the primary running back in Indianapolis and looking good enough that he should hold on to the job. Yep. Mark Ingram, who will be the starting running back someplace. We don't know where yet. Chris Carson who's looked very good when Rashad Penny has not been on the field. Josh Adams, who's looked very good when everyone else is not on the field. Tariq Cohen, who's looked very good when Jordan Howard is not on the field. And Darius Geis, who will be your starting running back for the Washington Redskins next season. Yeah. It's pretty deep next year, it looks like, but we know it thins out quickly. After that, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams with question marks, eight if you count Kansas City at running back. That's Houston, Kansas City, Miami, Tampa, Buffalo, the New York Jets, who very well might be Le'Veon Bell owners, the Baltimore Ravens, and the Oakland Raiders. Well, yeah, or the Raiders of whatever city they're going to play. And then we don't know what's going to happen with, I don't even want to talk about the rookies that can come in because where they land is always important to me, not just what they bring to the table. Exactly. All right, so you know we're not going to take too much time to talk, talk quarterback because it'll be mostly you talking, and I'll just go, okay, here's where I got the guy ranked. Um, because well, I'd let ra- me start this out. We talked a little bit about those running backs, and I said that I had seven that I guaranteed would be first-round picks, maybe as many as nine. Yeah. You, you, said, you said nine easily that you would take in the first round. The top 12 quarterbacks, I have one in the first three rounds. No, I, you know, I can't do that. Stop it. I, I know you can't. I, I'm just saying when I ranked them, there was only one that I gave a, a three top three round designation to. Yeah, and it'll be based off of his performance this year. And yes, people will take him too early. And then he won't win them leagues like he did this year because they'll forget where he where they got him and got value for him. So, okay, this is the only one we're probably going to match on. But yes, Patrick Mahomes is number one for me at quarterback going into next year. Yes, and again, I, I actually think he's going to go at the end of the second round of most drafts next year against him with a 12-team league. Uh, if he's still available midway or late in the third round, even me, again, you, I, I know you don't like taking a quarterback that early. I don't like taking a quarterback that early, but if he's sitting there at the end of three, I, I just I don't think I can not take him. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um... After that, I go back-to-back with quarterbacks who are known for their legs – but due to injuries, might have a slight drop-off in running yards this year. Okay. We might agree at number two then, because I've got Cam at number two. I have Cam at number two also. I think this year he has been hampered by injuries and still look at where he's at. So I think that if he gets healthy, you've got another year of DJ Moore. Um, another year of Curtis Samuel, another, another year of another, Christian McCaffrey. Exactly. And I think you see an uptick in him. And I think he actually is the guy that winds up being a good value if you want to go for a semi-earlier quarterback. Again, both of these guys I see targeting around round five-ish or so. Again, if you're going to take a quarterback early and you don't take Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, and then also a uh, young running quarterback by the name of Deshaun Watson, uh, who his numbers were down this season, but a lot of that was because he hasn't had Will Fuller on the field. Next season, he's going to have Will Fuller back. He's also going to have Kiki Kute for a full season, hopefully healthy, and if you look at the numbers that Watson has put up in games where Wolf Fuller has been on the field, he his numbers with Wolf Fuller on the field make Patrick Mahomes blush. So I don't have Watson that high. I have him at five, and it is partially due to 
Um, I think that they want to be a run first team and I still need but to see them. But they have no running back sign for next year. <laughs> True. And I still need to see them fix that offensive line somewhat. Look, there's nothing wrong with being top five. Um, but at three and four, I put two passers over him. Um, one, I look at the full complement of weapons and Julio Jones is still a beast. Calvin Ridley's shaping up to be a beast and I expect him to take a huge leap in year two. Then you've got Sanu, right? And yeah. you're still going to have Defonte Freeman, and you've got Hooper who's coming along. I Matt Ryan at three for me, and I think he'll be a huge value in drafts because people will just discredit him based off of last year still. And I don't think I guarantee you. I bet you can get Ryan outside of the top seven or eight. You know how much I disagree with that pick. I have Ryan outside of my top twelve. There you go. And it, the only reason why is because I I agree with all your takes on the talent around him. What I don't like about Matt Ryan is the presence of Steve Sarkeesian and his inconsistency from week to week. Even when Ryan was an elite quarterback during his, during his one year that he was considered an elite quarterback, he was inconsistent from week to week. It, it was just borderline insane. You would start him, and one week he'd get you 40 points, and then the next week he'd go out and get you 17 which is why you don't draft a quarterback early. Exactly. For me, at picks four and five, I also went with pocket passers. But I went with pocket passers on teams that were good this season and that I have every faith they're going to be equally good next season. And that's Aaron Rodgers and Andrew Luck. So what number do you have Luck at? I have Luck at four. Rodgers at five, mainly because of we don't know who the coach is going to be there next So year. we agree on luck. I have luck at four. Um, I do not have Rodgers at high. I pushed him down because I have Watson, of course, above him. I have Russell Wilson above him. I have Drew Brees above him. And then I have Rodgers at eight. Okay. And it's because of who's going to be there. And what does he have beyond Devontae Adams and – is Jimmy Graham going to be better in year two, depending on who the coach is, all that kind of stuff. So that's all why I have Rodgers and his health um, pushed down the list. Okay, so you've mentioned Russell Wilson and Drew Brees as your six and seven then? Yes, sir. I've got at six and seven, Drew Brees at seven, and Jared Goff at six. I am of the belief that this blip in the radar that Jared Goff has seen the last two weeks is not sustainable. I think that Jared Goff is the real deal. He's what we saw last year. He's what we've seen at the start of this year. And again, all the offenses in place, Gurley's going to be back. Robert Woods will be back. Brandon Cooks will be back. We'll have Cooper Cup back. It'll be another year for Tyler Higby, as well as uh, their other big tight end. That team is going to be just as good for the foreseeable future because they play in Los Angeles, they don't have to worry about weather conditions ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except when they travel. Yeah, that's when he struggles, too. So that means in our top seven, we agree on four picks. Exactly. Not bad. Okay, so you're at six, you're at seven. Okay, so we know who my eight is. Who is your number eight? My eight is dependent entirely on his status in the league, and that is Ben Roethlisberger. I think that Ben Roethlisberger will be back. He's certainly got a lot of weapons to throw the ball to. Another season for Smith-Schuster. Antonio Brown is still a top three wide receiver in this league. Uh, development for James Washington. Uh, they just got Eli Rogers back last week. He looked pretty good in, in limited play this past week. Uh, great tight ends pair in Jesse James and Vance McDonald. And, and good pass-catching running backs down the roster, starting at number one, going all the way to number four right now. So as long as Roethlisberger keeps playing... He's a 300-yard-a-week quarterback. That puts him in the top eight for me. So he didn't make my top 12 because I really I feel that we're 50-50 on whether he's back or not. Well, my pick nine is in that same boat. We talked about it a little bit, and that's Phillip Rivers. Hasn't been a more consistent quarterback this decade than Phillip Rivers. Guess what? Unfortunately, he's, he's old, and again, don't know what's going to happen next year with him. I think he's got a higher likelihood of hanging them up than Roethlisberger does. You know, I probably didn't put enough into that, quite honestly. Um, and if they go on, and look, they're, they're a legit Super Bowl team. They're a legit Super Bowl contender. 
Um, I have him at nine also, believe it or not. But yeah, if they win the Super Bowl, I could actually see him retiring. And that's the second time I've said that. And because of that, I probably should have kept him out of my top 12. But I didn't. And he's highly underrated. He's been that way for years. I think he deserves his due. And here's where where we're going to mix and match a little bit, I think. Because the three guys I've got rounding out my roster of top 12, one has played basically only a couple games this year. Uh, One is not playing right now due to injury. And the other one is Russell Wilson, who you've already mentioned. Gotcha. So who do you have at 10 first? Is it Russ? At 10, I've got Carson Wentz. I have him at 12. Coming back from the injury. Still going to have a lot of weapons there. Assuming, I mean, there, there's talk that they think he might still play if they make the playoffs. I, I have no clue how in the hell that's going to happen. Yeah. But the broken, fractured vertebrae. Again, I talked about in the news. Fractured vertebrae. How does someone come back from that physically, let alone play quarterback in the NFL? But again, they, they said he might play this year again. Who knows? Uh, he's at 10. Russell's at 11 for me. And number 12, Jimmy Garoppolo. So Garoppolo is just, remember I wrote Connor and I said he really isn't 13, but I wrote him in the 13th spot. Yes. That's, that's why I have Jimmy G. I have Jimmy G in that 13th spot. Um, the guy that I have in my top 12 that you don't, and I probably shouldn't, um, but I do. Aside from Ryan. Uh, right. I'm sorry. Aside from Ryan um, is <coughs> a team that I think they'll, they'll have to add a receiver because they know they need one. Um, but I've got Baker Mayfield at number 11. Nice young stud running back. Offensive line's coming along pretty well. They get a left tackle in the draft or else they can coach up Greg Robinson a little bit more so. Add one more receiver to go with Landry and, and what they've got at tight end. And I think Mayfield could wind up a top 10 tight top ten quarterback next year. So I, I have Baker just outside the top 12. Uh, uh, did you go through your entire 12 then? I didn't. I left my number 10 out, um, which I'm surprised you left out. But it's Kirk Cousins. And the reason for including Kirk Cousins is, again, job security, check. Um, stud wide receivers, check, check. Stud running back, check. Mm-hmm. Um, a quarterback coach, that's if he's still – that's an offense coordinator. If he doesn't get signed away somewhere, um, check. You know what I mean? Like there's just a lot to like about whether you like him as an actual NFL player. That's one thing. But fantasy-wise, top ten numbers, yeah, you should at least be safe in that range with Kirk. Cousins was my number 13. He would have been the guy I would have subbed in if Roethlisberger or Rivers retires. Gotcha. Behind Cousins, uh, guys that just missed my list for the top tier, guys who should be starting in two quarterback leagues at the very least, if not uh, starters in deeper leagues, Mitchell Trubisky. Yep. Lamar Jackson, dual threat, running and passing. Tom Brady, assuming he comes back for one more season. I had Matty Ice in this grouping. I had Baker Mayfield in this grouping as well. And lastly, in the second tier for me, Dak Prescott, again, because of his running capabilities. I'll tell you who's going to be a target of mine more than likely next year as a late quarterback that I think has the ability to be a top 12 guy, Sam Darnold. Well, and so for me, the next tier behind Baker included Darnold. Darnold. Uh, the other rookie, Josh Allen, again, because of his running skills. Matthew Stafford, who is going to probably go criminally under-owned next year because of his production this season. Yeah. Andy Dalton coming back from his own injury and coming back from the injuries to both of his number one receivers. And then a bunch of scrubs behind those guys. Guys who I don't want any part of for next season. Okay. Well, that's it. We, we agreed on five quarterbacks in the right spots, which is shocking, actually. Um, and 10, 10 of the 12, we agreed were in the top 12. And at running back, we agreed we only matched on one, but we agreed on, what, 11 out of 12? Yep. Uh, not bad. But take it for what it's worth. It's definitely way too early for those rankings. Um, but if you're in a league that allows trades, et cetera, during the offseason, maybe it'll help you. Well, of course, next week we'll break down wide receivers and tight ends. Yes. And tight ends should be an interesting uh, play because, I mean, this season so many tight ends were lost to injury. So it'll be interesting to see where all those guys end up ranked in next year's rankings. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let's make some people some money 
in DFS. Exactly. Let's go right to quarterback. And who are you paying up for? Oh, no, let's – how many are we going to agree on? One, two, three, four. I'm going five. Always on the high end. I'm going five. I'll take the under because I think we're going to have three or four. Okay. Fair enough. Um, before we do that, I'm going to say, hold on. Let me check and see if I'm still up in my matchup here. Um, has Cameron Jordan done anything? <laughs> He's got one solo and one assist. That's okay. And how about Thomas Davis? Three and two. Okay, I'm pretty good so far. But we're not. Yep, we're almost to the half. And New Orleans still not scoring touchdowns. They better fix that offense. Um, okay, so with that, who are you paying up for at quarterback? Well, let me start this off by saying I didn't really particularly like any of the high-priced quarterbacks this week. We, we agree. <laughs> um, I, so as far as choosing my quarterback this week on Daily Fantasy, I'm going to choose someone in the mid-tier more than likely. But if I do pay up for a quarterback, I'm going to pay up for the guy – that I had ranked in my top four from a dynasty standpoint, and that's Deshaun Watson against Philadelphia. Uh, Philadelphia shut down Jared Goff yesterday, uh, but their defense hasn't improved. It's just that Jared Goff was schemed against properly by this defense. Jared Goff and Deshaun Watson are considerably different animals, and I just don't think Philadelphia has a legit way to stop Watson and his feet in addition to his passing ability. So I had it narrowed down to two people I was willing to pay up for. Can you see that I crossed somebody out there? Yes. You know who that is, right? Uh, Deshaun, I'm guessing. Yes, it is. It is Deshaun Watson. It came down to who's playing home, who's playing away. Philly is absolutely ripe for the picking for somebody like Deshaun Watson, but the fact that it's on the road had me give the edge to Drew Brees playing at home. Um, I'm not buying that Pittsburgh is that good on defense like they were with Brady this past week. Um, mm -hmm. Although right now seeing six points on the board on Monday night football against the Panthers is not all that inspiring, but I did make that pick before the first half was played. I do have Breeze down there as a possibility for pivot play away from Watson, but again, more than likely I'm paying down here at quarterback this week anyways. I would agree. Which leads me into the guy I'm staying away from. We're going to agree uh -huh. here. Uh, you know, actually, we might not, because uh, I originally had Ben Roethlisberger as my stay away, which I thought might be your choice. It is. But then I switched it over uh, to Jared Goff at Arizona. Now, as we've talked about throughout the show, it seems like coaches have possibly figured out Sean McVay's passing strategy. Arizona's strength, that's their pass defense. Arizona's weakness, that's their run defense. Gurley, along with whoever lines up as his understudy next week, they could run for a combined 300-plus yards in this game. Well, Goff, eh, he's going to do what he can to remind his owners that he's not being coached by Jeff Fisher anymore, which will be okay, but it's not going to be enough to help you win your game. So I have no problem pivoting away from golf, Goff, but Roethlisberger's the top-priced guy. He's $300 more. He's my stay away. I want no parts of him in New Orleans in that dome. I think that they, I think that they could have one of those, you know, letdown games, and they really weren't that inspiring to me against New England. Quite honestly, they came out with a win, but that wasn't a very inspiring offensive performance. Okay, on to the oh, paid. Uh, who's your value play this week? So yes, and I'm with you. I love a lot at the top of wide receiver and, and running back. So I definitely pay down at quarterback this week. I don't know that you're going to pay down as far as I'm paying down. But, well, I'm paying down a ways. Okay. Then you can't be paying down any less than Sam Darnold. That is exactly who I'm paying down for. Then we've got our first match of the day. <laughs> yeah, to totally on board with Sam Darnold is the pay down this week. Green Bay has allowed multiple passing touchdowns in four of their last five games. And Darnold seems to have developed a nice repartee with uh, Robbie Anderson over the last couple weeks. They have... Nobody left to start at running back this week. Every single one of their running backs is suffering some sort of melody. Uh, and they're going to be facing a team that, although they've struggled themselves uh, offensively, Green Bay is still considered an upper echelon offense and a team that can score points at yep. will. So Darnold is going to be forced to throw the ball to keep this game close. And here's the thing. It's in New York or New yes. Jersey, and I think that's a big plus. This past week, do you know how many quarterbacks scored more points than Sam Darnold did? 
three. Two, Deshaun Watson and Matt close. Ryan. <laughs> right, exactly. So I thought Jared Goff might have put the uh, yardage, but... <laughs> nope. Um, now, granted, that's a small sample size, but it shows that he can come through and he come, can pay off. I don't see how you don't get four times value on, on Darnold this week. Uh, particularly on DraftKings, where he's only 4,900. The 6,700 on... FanDuel, I still think he hits three times that he's yes. going to get 18 or 19 points easily uh, again. And Green Bay, as as their offense has struggled a little bit, but they're going to be uh, offensive scoring still in this game. Their defense is not good right now. Not good on any level whatsoever. Nope. Okay, so that's a good one. Now let's run on over to running back. Okay, at running back, I am going to pay up for... We're going to agree here. Christian McCaffrey versus Atlanta. You know what? We didn't agree. No, and I didn't write him down, but he was who I was thinking about. Actually, if I find my other piece of paper that I threw away, I did have him down, and I went, no, this guy's more money. I'm paying up for him instead. So we're just on opposite ends of the spectrum about Zeke tonight, it seems like. Um, so I, I actually I love Zeke next week, too. Don't get me wrong yeah. on that. But for me... You're talking a stud pass catching back against Atlanta. Yes, this that's could true. be the highest score of the season. Daily but this is why I put in Sam Darnold so I can get Zeke and McCaffrey in my lineup. Exactly. Um, yeah, as will I. I mean, I've actually I, I put together a lineup on Fanball already this week, where I've put Gurley, Zeke, and McCaffrey in there. And of course, obviously, I'll get Gurley out if he doesn't play for whatever given reason. But I put together a team. With Darnold at quarterback and all three of those guys right back. Gotcha. So, well, you kind of just made sure that we're not going to agree here. Um, the guy I'm avoiding is Todd Gurley, and it's based off the knee injury. And, look, he shows any signs of tweaking it, et cetera. I don't think they'll have any trouble disposing of the Cardinals. So I could see him easily calling it an early day on Sunday, um, and that's why I'm going to stay away from him, especially at that price tag. Exactly. The guy I'm staying away from is another guy coming off of injury, and that's James Conner at New Orleans. Uh, I'm right, a little concerned about what Conner's usage will be in his first week back. They've yep. already said he's probably he's going to play this week. Uh, New Orleans is pretty darn good against the run. They've not allowed a single team to top 77 running back rushing yards all season. Now, yeah, Conner's going to get some through the passing game, but he's also going to seed some of those passing downs now to Jalen Samuels, I think. So it, I don't have a problem with that either. Um, I punted that because since he's coming back from injury, I usually avoid those guys anyway. I think there's a chance that we could agree on our value play, although my value play is not priced down as much as I usually would like, but it's a value because he's priced wrong. I think he's priced wrong. He should be well, my, my value play is going to be part of a stack, an opposition stack, Okay. To my value play at quarterback, Sam Darnold. And that's going to be the starting running back for the Green Bay Packers this week, Jamal Williams. Nope, we don't at agree. New York. We don't agree. Um, but I'm only $100 more than you. I love Marlon Mack at home against the Giants team that's basically 8-9. They phoned it in. Yeah. <laughs> not that they're just phoning it in, but the fact that they've been a great matchup running back-wise all season for the most part. And Mac is just starting to feel it, man. That offensive line is doing unbelievably well. So I love Mac this week. Love Mac. What's crazy is I've given both of those players full green ratings. I think they're both going to return three times value. Uh, the biggest difference for the two between me, Marlon Mack is $100 more than Jamal Williams on DraftKings, which puts them both in kind of that similar pivotal spot. Right. But if you go over to FanDuel, Marlon Mack is $1,200 more than Williams. Very true. Uh, and seven thousand, he's. I mean, he's still in the the category range with guys like Nick Chubb and Delvin Cook, who are going to be about that same price range that I'm going to have a little bit more difficulty with. Very true. Another guy I really like. No, I'm sorry. Forget that. I looked at something wrong. That was for something else. I'm getting old. Don't get old, people. Anyway, yeah, that's you know. Unless you're Frank Gore, then get old. It doesn't matter. That's true. All right, so let's look at wide receiver. And I haven't made my decisions on my stay away yet. I've got names down that I have to still cross, so don't, don't give any hints there yet. Okay, well, I'm going to stack my pay-up quarterback with my pay-up wide receiver, and that's DeAndre Hopkins versus Philadelphia. 
Opposing number one wide receivers have feasted on Philadelphia all season, and it has only gotten worse since they started to lose everyone to injury. Over the last four weeks, they've given up absurd numbers to number one wide receivers. That's DeAndre's role on this team. So not the way I went. Um, maybe it's just because I don't want to have to think about that happening to, to my team, knowing that they need to win to make the playoffs. Um, I went for the top-priced guy. Uh, it's Julio Jones. You know, I don't usually like playing guys on the road as much as I do when they're at home, but not Julio. Julio's always seem to have a penchant for going off when he's on the road. And, that is true. And then if you look at it, um, year-to-date Carolina – not year-to-date – over the last four weeks, I should say, I think Carolina's like number two in points allowed to wide receivers. And if you give me a second, I'll be able to tell you that for sure. Um, so I, I did look at Julio, and I actually liked Julio. What I've noticed about Carolina is most of the damage against Her- Carolina has been done by inside and non-number one wide receivers. Now, they've, they've given up a couple of big games to, to number one receivers, too. Don't get me wrong on that. But most of their huge games have gone to complimentary guys. Yeah, they're number four over the past four weeks. And maybe that means that Ridley or Sanu has a big week, but I just think Julio eats. Um, I, I absolutely love Sanu this week. Uh, I, I, he's the type of guy you can easily roster as your wide receiver three. Uh, he's not my value play, but okay. I would not be upset with someone using him as a value play this week. Gotcha. So I need to make a decision. And I'm going to say, I'm just going to say this straight up. OBJ was going to be my avoid, but because he's coming off injury, I'm going to disqualify him and not make him my avoid. And I'm going to cheat now and tell you that my avoid is two players. Okay. So if you match one of them, then we'll call it a half. How's that? Sounds good. And the reason I'm saying that it's two players is because there's one player on this team's defense that has shut down ability, but you just don't know who he's going to shut down. So because of that, there's too much risk to play either Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs with Darius Slay looking at one of them. Um, just, just for reference, I actually have given Thielen a double red grade. I don't think he's going to have a very good game because I feel he is the guy that Slay will guard. And I actually think that Stefan Diggs is in for a big game going up against whoever the number two cornerback is for them. Uh, the big reason there is uh, prior to this season, now this season Slay has really been a shadow cornerback. But historically, Shadow uh, Slay played more in the slot, which is where Thielen tends to line up most of the time. So I think that Thielen is the more opportune play for Slay to be lined up against. I don't want to make the decision, so I'm just going to avoid them both. So who are you avoiding then? Uh, I'm avoiding someone we're watching tonight, Michael Thomas against Pittsburgh. Also because Pittsburgh has one cornerback who is very, very good at shutting down the opposition, and that's Joe Hayden, who... A couple of years ago, it looked like he was toast. But this season, the only outside wide receiver, number one, that has succeeded against Pittsburgh's defense was Mike Evans. And that was way back in like week six. Uh, guys like Keenan Allen and Emmanuel Sanders, who uh, do a lot of crossing patterns and operate inside a lot more, they fared okay against Pittsburgh. But the guys who pr- typically line up on the outside have not fared that great against Pittsburgh this year. Okay. Fair enough. That doesn't make me feel good about my pay-up of Drew Brees, but that's why you went with Deshaun Watson. Um, I think we may agree here on our value play. Did you stack? I sure did. As did I. (laughs) Robbie Anderson. 4,500, that's got to be criminal in at least 30 of the 50 states, right? Um, Okay, yeah, so he's 4,500. Darnold is, what, 4,900? Forty nine hundred, yes. So they're ninety four hundred dollars. They're two hundred dollars more than Julio Jones. <laughs> they're the con- they're the two that you get in that lineup and build around it. Exactly, and that's the two some that you can put in your lineup that's going to allow you to put Zeke, McCaffrey, yep. and Gurley or whomever else you want and, as your and flex Nuke player too, and whatever. Yep. Uh, Green Bay completely destroyed by opposing number one wide receivers this year. It's been particularly ugly since their trade of HaHa Clinton Dix. They've had five straight guys. I'm sorry, four of the last five guys have topped 100 yards against them. Uh, over the last two weeks, Anderson's posted 11 catches, 172 yards, and two touchdowns. He's clicking again with Darnold, like much like he did at the start of the year. So 
this should be a huge week for both Darnold and Anderson. You can get them really cheap. And remember when I said I'm getting old, don't get old. We were talking about running back. I'm going to go back real quick. I, I was right. I looked at something, and there was a guy I was considering. I, I want to I talk about him real quick. Go for it. The problem is I don't know where he's at from an injury standpoint. Where are we at with on Johnson this week? Uh, he was questionable coming into last week. Uh, right. He had practiced on a limited basis, but there was never really any serious chance he was going to play. Um, I think as long as Detroit is out of it, I don't really see them operating him again this year. And that's why I didn't put him down as a value play. But did you know that the Vikings defense, because I think everybody thinks Vikings defense, okay, stout. The Vikings defense has given up almost 800 rushing yards over its past five games. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame that, I mean, unless you want to roll the dice with a Zach Zenner, LeGarrette Blount, Theo Riddick, I don't, but they need to fix it. Well, he isn't my value play, but I actually really like Theo Riddick this week. And this is purely on history standpoint. Theo Riddick has absolutely owned the Vikings during his career. So, yeah. I, I again, the Viking, sec, the Viking linebacker core has gotten faster as the year's gone on, but they're also using... Uh, they're using their uh, big guy Rudd uh, as more of a pass rusher now. So, so anyway, you, you can be you can exploit the Vikings with quick scat backs, and Riddick has done it before. I, I kind of like him to do it again this week. Yeah. So didn't mean to get off off kilter there, but I, I remembered what it was, and that's why I wanted to make sure we talked about that. So let's go into we've got two. Um, I, we need to nail all three of these for me to to be right on the five. So I think you're safe. But let's go right to tight end, and I'm just going to tell you, I know that we're going to agree on who we're paying up for. I don't know about that. Oh, Eric Ebron. <laughs> we're, we're paying up for Eric Ebron this week. Um, we, we probably should after the goose egg last week, but uh, <laughs> I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm paying up for the guy who shares the initials with Eric Ebron. You are. Yes. Evan Ingram. Well, let's, Let's ride the, the pine with Evan Ingram at Indianapolis. The Colts have allowed the second most receptions to the tight end position this season. Only four teams have failed to top 50 yards with the position against them. And meanwhile, with OBJ out the last two weeks, Ingram has 11 catches on 17 targets for 152 yards. Now, if the Giants get OBJ back into their lineup, then uh, I lose some interest in Ingram. If OBJ... Shuts it down for the season. Ingram's going to be a stud this week. So do you know what Ingram winds up being then? He probably closes the season strong. And then next year, everybody forgets how he left them high and dry for the— And they're going to overdraft him. And they'll overdraft him again, <laughs> yes. Because remember, he, we, he, was, he was a big poster boy for us, me saying I just didn't see the value in him this year. Um, so maybe that's why I just didn't look at him. Or maybe it's because he's under five grand and that's who you're paying up for. I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the fifth highest played tight end this week, though. <laughs> okay, so the guy that I'm avoiding. Oh, who are you paying up for? You're uh, Ebron, yeah. Yeah, I pay Ebron. Ebron, that's enough said. I'm not going to look at what he didn't do last week. I think that, you know. Anyway. That's all the reason to play him this week because it seems like he's every other week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to avoid Rob, Gron- Rob Grandpa Gronkowski. And we've got a match. <laughs> now, for what it's worth, I did have George Kittle in that mix, but I crossed him off. So let me break this down for you. Rob Gronkowski has dominated Buffalo yes. in Buffalo. In Buffalo, exactly. At home, not so much. In four games against Buffalo since 2012, he's actually missed a couple due to injury. But in four games since 2012, Gronk has averaged 2.75 catches, 36.5 yards, and half a touchdown against Buffalo. Yep. Those numbers are Chris Herndon. Now, over that same span, on the road, he has six road games <laughs> versus Buffalo. Yeah, During those sick. six road games, six catches per game, 102 yards per game, and that same half a touchdown per game. Yeah, yeah it's sick what he does against Buffalo in Buffalo, where he's, which is, of course, where he's from. Where he's from, yeah. So I'm going to go out on a, limb, on a limb here and say we're going to agree on our pay-up also. On our value play? On our value play, yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, who's your value play? Um, a guy that moved up into a top three to five tight end as soon as there was an injury and he didn't have to worry about who was sharing targets with, but Cameron Brait. Uh, Come on. I, I, Come on. I like, Cam- I like Cameron Brait this week. It's a good matchup against Dallas. 
I did consider him. I also considered Austin Hooper, although I was a little concerned after the injury reports this past week. Guy I went with is the same guy that I went with last week when he didn't do much of anything. And that's the Uzi, CJ Uzama at Cleveland. Cleveland has been, yeah, middle of the pack against tight ends all season. <clears throat> but in reality, who does Jeff Driscoll have left to throw the ball to? It's yep. John Ross and CJ Uzoma. That's yep. all they have. And Joe no Mixon. one else. Joe Mixon. Oh, yeah. So we hit the under. But I think that there's a very important thing in this exercise. Stack Darnold and Robbie Anderson. We agreed oh, on big that. Time. Big time. We agreed on that. And I think that that's one of the things that people should take from this. So the next time we do an episode, we will be wishing everybody a Merry Christmas. So I guess what we should do is call it a night. One, we ran a little long. Two, we probably should go do some shopping because this is it. Last week for shopping. But if you need to shop for advice, listen, listen, listen. Follow or hit Harley up on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Do the same with me at Steve Gallo NFL. Um, of course, you can find us on the huddle or if you want to take us with you on your phone, iTunes, um, rate us, review us, all that happy, good stuff. And until next week, as always, one, good luck in your playoffs. Go win those championships, but get blitz responsible. Cheers. <laughs>